morning church. I know this is a little bit different and if you're new or maybe here for the first time or even joining us online, welcome. This is kind of a unique service that we're doing, but we're going to talk about what this looked like, what the early church looked like today. I want to start by taking you back almost a few thousand years and I want you to think about what your life may have been like and the impact of the early church. If you lived around 40 or 50 or 60 AD, So this was a few decades after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Imagine you lived in the ancient Middle East. Um, You got up early in the morning, okay? And you had a physically strenuous day of work ahead of you. Maybe you were a household servant in some wealthy individual's house. Maybe you leased a little bit of farmland and you farmed that land. And so it was physically strenuous. You took care of someone else's camels, goats, sheep whatever that was. Maybe you worked in the marketplace around leather or fabrics or a carpenter or a fisherman, something along those lines. You would work these very difficult days, and at the end, you would get paid. You wouldn't usually have to wait till the end of the week or every two weeks. 
you get paid every single day. From what you got paid, you take about 50 or 60% and set aside for taxes. Because the Roman Empire was a very cruel overseer, and they made sure that you pay taxes or you were imprisoned. And what little you had left, you would maybe walk through the marketplace, or as you're leaving the marketplace that day, you'd buy a little fish, maybe a little bit of meat, maybe bread, but don't think of like a big loaf of bread like we get. They were just these small circles, maybe a small slice of goat cheese, and you would try to stretch that over a few days. You would eat to sustain yourself so that you could get up and go back to work tomorrow and have another physically taxing day. But imagine if that was your life, full of hardship, full of difficulty, and you started to hear rumors that in your town, there was this group of people that worked similar jobs to you, did some of the same things, but their night ended very differently than you. Instead of kind of just eking out a meager meal, they were throwing feasts. They were gathering around tables, and because they were pooling their resources, they were eating in abundance. And around the table, it wasn't just the food that they ate, but there was laughter, and there was celebration, there were songs, like they would sing songs to each other, and they would tell stories about how God had come into this world and changed the world. Imagine what that would be like to hear those kinds of stories, and you didn't have to be a certain person, you didn't have to be a member of a certain family to join in with the feast or to belong there. That would be a radically significant idea. And it wasn't only the food they ate, everything in your day pointed out to you how you were on the outside. In the Roman Empire, there was a caste system. And depending on who you were was how you kind of leveled out in the caste system. You could even have some wealth and some possessions, but be on the lower end of the Roman hierarchy. It was all about, were you a Roman citizen? What kind of position did you have? Were you in some government or political leader? Like, could you purchase your Roman citizenship? What money did you have? What family did you come from? Like, all of this all day long was constantly surrounding you. But there were these rumors that at these feasts and around these tables, none of that mattered. All of the labels melted away because you had Roman citizens and people from Greece and people from Israel and people from Mesopotamia and people from Africa all sitting around the same table. You had people of tremendous wealth and people that had almost no wealth. But at that table, you were just human. And you were just someone that was made in the image of God. Your worth and your value were not tied into your citizenship. Or they weren't tied into what family you came from. And they were not tied into your race. They were just all around the table rejoicing, celebrating, laughing together. This is a picture of the early church. This is what the early church looked like. Now, I realize in your mind, you may have a vastly different picture of what the church was looked like or what the church does look like, but this is how it started. This is what it was like. Is you'd sit around a table, you'd eat a, eat a meal together, you would gather with large groups of people, but then you'd also be in other people's homes eating and celebrating and singing together. This is what the church looked like. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. We've been in this series called What We Believe, and we've been talking about what it is that we believe. These statements that the early church leaders came up with and that they would reflect on. And you may have noticed one of those end statements that Pastor Caleb Red talked about the church. It was a statement that said this, we believe in one holy, catholic, and apostolic church. And whether you're new to church, if you're like, I'm brand new to this Jesus thing and this church thing, 
I've not been around church a lot, or even if you've been here for decades, those words can seem a little odd to you. So I want to explain them to you. There is a group of Jesus followers and Christians that took one of those words and tried to use it to make it describe themselves. And that's not how the word started. But that word Catholic doesn't mean a certain group of Christians. It actually means one universal, worldwide, together community of faith church. So that's what they were singing, saying. They weren't describing like one group of people. They were saying, hey, we're all in this together, you guys. High school musical, anyone? Okay, so that's, that's what they were describing there. Is they were like, hey, we're in this together. And sure, you may meet across town, right, in another building. You may be from a different city. You may even be from a different country. But when we come together, we are connected around this idea that Jesus has saved us and changed and transformed our lives. So we are in this together. And can I be honest? We've messed this up in many ways as the church nowadays. Okay, we just have. We've messed this up. And so we need to understand, we are not in competition with other churches. We are new community church here, but there is an amazing Calvary Baptist church right here. And if you go down this road, there's Keystone, and on 80, there's Sea Life, and up by Town East, there's Lake Point and Sunnyvale on Beltline. There are all these churches. We're not against each other, you guys. We're in this together. That's what the early church leaders were saying is, We may meet in different locations, but we are all one body. We are connected in this thing together. We're we're like one family of faith is kind of how they describe this. Like we're a family together. We need to understand that. The other word that may seem a little different is apostolic. And that was simply a word that meant we're kind of sent out as the church. Like we're called to go into the community. Missionaries, if you've ever heard that word, may kind of describe that. But what it's saying is we're on mission with Jesus. That what God is up to in the world, how God is putting his love on display is through your life and through my life. That as the church, we're being sent into our workplace, into our schools, into sporting events, into your neighborhoods. You are the image of Jesus' love and his goodness to the world around you. That's simply what apostolic meant is we're the church living out in the world to show the world how great God is. And that's what the church looks like. That's this idea of what the early church was meant to be, of of this one community connected together that's living out and that's on mission with Jesus. Now, once again, your idea of the church may be very different, but that's kind of how it started, is the early church was meeting around tables. Now, I know for some of you, you came in here this morning and you thought, what kind of weird cult did I show up to this morning? But that's not what this is, okay? So this is a very different service for us, but... But what we're saying is, this is kind of what the early church looked like. And you would meet together many times around a table to talk about faith or to discuss what God was doing and to celebrate what was going on in your life. So we wanted to make a small picture of that this morning here in this room. And what we're going to do is, we're going to discuss around the tables. So I'm going to pause talking in a moment and I'm going to give you a question. And for those of you that are around the table with someone else or with family members, I'm going to give you a couple minutes just to talk about that, okay? So we're going to start with this question here of what was the impact and the benefit of the early church eating meals together around a table, okay? Now, a couple of things before you jump into this question that I want you to know is the first is try to avoid one-word answers. Like if someone says, hey, what was the benefit? And you were like, good. That doesn't really spark discussion, okay? So that kind of ends discussion. Try to avoid one-word answers, okay? So don't go good, bad, 
fine or any of that. Try to really talk about it. The second thing is this. Okay, this is a safe place this morning. There are no theology police at the table. So if you think that's you, take off that hat, okay? Because that's not what we are this morning. You can be brand new to Jesus or brand new to church and still be a part of the discussion, okay? You don't have to have gone to Bible school or know a lot about the scriptures or anything. No one's going to judge you or tell you, hey, stop talking. That's not right. We're not doing that at the tables this morning, okay? That's not what we're doing. It's, we're going to all talk about, hey, what do you think was the impact or the benefit of the early church of Christians, Jesus followers, being around the table together, okay? So everyone got that? I'm going to give you a couple of minutes. You guys start discussing at your tables. You can start talking right now about that question, okay? Start right now. Hey, everyone online, while they're doing that, you guys can keep talking, okay? Everyone online, while they're doing that, um, I want you to join with us. So either in the comment box or if you're with family members or friends watching this together, I want you to do that. Pause right now and start to talk about this together, the impact of the early church eating meals together. Okay, for those of you still talking, I'm going to have you pause your conversation. We're going to hit a few more questions in the message today, but whatever you said at your table, that was great. Great job, you guys. Okay, that was exactly the answer I was looking for because I just wanted you to talk about that. The impact of the early church eating meals together. How did we get from there to many times what church looks like now? And we could preach an entire few Sundays on this. I'm going to try to do this in just a couple of minutes. Um, when the early church started meeting, they were gathering in large groups and also in each other's houses, eating meals together, like I started the message describing to you. And this worked for a few decades because in the Roman Empire, they had a covering. The Rome had a contract, kind of a verbal thing with the Jewish people of, you have religious freedom, even though you worship differently than as you as religious freedom. And Christianity started within the Jewish culture. So they had kind of the same agreement until the Jewish people said, Christians, you're different than us. We don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. We don't believe he's the son of God. So basically kicked them out. And when they did that, Rome came after the Christians. And they started to imprison them. They started to persecute them, behead them, crucify them. All of this crazy way to torture Christians to get them to stop believing in Jesus. And what should have shut down the church. Like that's the point where the church should have just stopped existing it only spread and grew faster. It grew so much that Rome could not handle what was happening with the church. It was spreading to every part of the Roman Empire. A matter of fact, a few hundred years later when that started happening, Rome kind of just threw up its hands and said, we give up. Christianity is now legalized, okay? If you remember history class, Constantine became a Christian and he said, a matter of fact, Christianity is the official religion of the Roman Empire, okay? Had both good points and bad points. But now groups of people, communities of faith, could come together and buy land and build buildings. So they started to do that. And a matter of fact, some of the first churches were really kind of like restaurants. They were set up around tables so people could talk and do that. But then after a little bit, the church said, we can't do this every week. Because let me tell you, just trying the logistics of just trying to put food on your table for this many people was a little bit of a nightmare this week, okay? So they were like, hey, we can't do this every week because we're getting more and more people. But let me tell you what, keep meeting in your homes. Like, do that, like, all throughout the week. You guys meet and eat meals together. But then after a while, it just kind of faded and became a Sunday morning thing. And then churches shifted a little bit from the restaurant-style structure of a building 
to, if you've ever been in an old church, it kind of looks weird to us, but where seats would actually face each other. Although there was the front of the room, if you were on this side, you weren't facing the front, you were facing the people on this side, and you would just look at each other. Or some of them were built in what's called the round. So they were literally a circle, and there was something happening in the middle. But when you prayed, you were looking at the person across from you, right? Or you sang songs, or you're listening to the message. You're not probably just looking at the guy in the middle, like you're looking at the person all the way across the room. That's how they were set up. And then people started thinking, that feels a little weird. So they moved everything to the front. Everything faced the same way and went to the front. Some churches got so passionate about this. If you've ever been in an old church with the wooden benches, they bolted those things down. Like, this is not moving. Everyone's going to face this one way. And that's kind of how it was. And then we needed to be able to see the people that were towards the front of the building. So we built a stage, right? All of this great things that the church was trying to figure out how to minister to people and help people grow spiritually, but it had other consequences. And where we ended up many times now in our culture and in our time is we've created a spectator sport of Christianity. We're sure we all worship together, but come on, the real people that do worship are up here, right? And yes, we listen to God's word, but the real people that know God's word and understand God's word, they're up here, and we're kind of coming into this idea of church where we sit here for an hour, and that's our engagement with faith, and that's our engagement with God, and then we walk out, and maybe we'll be back next week or the following week or a couple of weeks later. That was never the picture of the church that God intended to exist. That was never God's idea for what the church should look like or what it should be. Now, here's what we need to understand is there are sometimes where we hear something like that and we're like, okay, forget gathering together then. We'll just meet in homes. But once again, that's not what God was talking about either. There's something powerful that happens when we gather together. Gathering brings growth, okay? I want you to understand this. The early church, they were gathering together in a lot of different ways. Sometimes they were on the side of a hill by a river. Sometimes they met in other religious establishments, Jewish synagogues pagan temples they would just take it over and meet together as the church there they met in civil establishments like in city council halls and in amphitheaters all of these places hundreds and sometimes thousands of christians gathering together because there was something powerful that happened as they gathered and as they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching like we see in acts chapter 2 verse 42 they would get together and powerful things that were happening everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed by the apostles. All the believers had everything in common. So all of this stuff is going on as they're gathering together. If you've been in church for a while, you may have heard pastors or preachers talk about this verse in Hebrews chapter 10. This other letter or book in the Bible says this, let us hold unswerving to the hope we profess. So our faith in God, because God who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as the habit of some is, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I'll tell you, as pastors, we love to preach the middle part of that verse. Like, you better be here on Sunday, okay? Don't give up meeting together. Like, everyone needs to get together on Sunday. You need to be here. But a lot of times, we forget to tell you the why. In the, Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews, this is what he's saying is, when you're getting together, this is what it's doing. It's spurring you on in your faith, in the profession of faith that you have. It's encouraging one another in the good works that are happening in your life. 
there is something growth spiritually that happens as we gather together. You may not always think about this, but you come in here, right, and we're singing, we're worshiping together. You start to clap your hands, you raise your hands. In a moment, you're worshiping God, and you don't know that two rows back, someone just had the worst week of their life. And it's difficult for them. But they see your faith, and they see how you worship, and all of a sudden, they're encouraged to begin to sing out loud. They're encouraged to be strengthened, right? We go into a moment of prayer, and they start to pray because of that. You don't see that every week, but as, at the end of service, when we take that moment, I'm saying, hey, everyone pray this out loud. You already have a relationship with Jesus, but you don't know a few rows back or a few rows in front of you or someone joining us online. They have never prayed to God. But as you say that out loud, all of a sudden, they're encouraged to take that step of faith and they begin to pray out loud. They begin to say that out loud. There is a synergy that happens as we gather together. There is growth that takes place when we're all in one room. Yes, you could meet with two other people and try to live this out. But what happens in one community when hundreds of people are going into the workplace and going into our schools and into sporting events and we're living out this Jesus thing, all living the same way because we've been challenged with a message on Sunday morning. There is growth and a challenge that happens as we gather together. So God wasn't saying, hey, just forget the gathering. That's not what he's saying. He's saying there's something that happens, but it can't just end there. It can't just be being next to each other on a Sunday morning, and then we leave and we don't care about each other. That was not God's picture of the church because church was meant to be in circles, not just in rows. Okay? Now, I've mentioned we're not able to do this every single week together, but there should be times where we're connecting with each other because here's what we need to understand. Relationships happen in circles. Okay? Now, I'll just acknowledge this. For some of you, this was the most difficult moment of walking into church because I know many of you maybe are just at a table with family. Others of you are like, I do not know those people at that table. Okay? And this is really weird. But this is how church was meant to be lived, that we would be around each other. We would get to know each other. We would build relationships with one another that you would never be able to walk into church and walk out Sunday after Sunday, week after week, year after year, and no one even knows your name. Or they don't know what's going on in your life. That was not God's picture of the church. We were meant to be in relationship with each other. And so let me pause again and let me simply ask this question. When you think of church, do you think of a place where you have deep relationships with others in the church, or do you feel somewhat disconnected? And let me just give this disclaimer. You can be honest, okay? Don't think, oh, no, I'm in church. I have to tell them that I feel connected. You may not feel connected. You may have times in your life where you felt really connected, but now you don't. Or maybe times in the past where you felt disconnected, but now you're like, no, people here at the church they know me, and I know them. So we're going to take a couple minutes. You're going to talk about it at your tables. So I'll give you a few minutes to talk about that question. When you think about the church, deep relationships in the church, or do you feel disconnected? Go ahead. Okay, I'm going to have you pause your conversations at the table again. Um, and I know everyone may have not got able, been able to share, but if you want to, you can hang out for a couple minutes yeah, after we're done and, and talk for a few more minutes. But this is what the church was meant to look like, that we would be in relationship with each other. 
When you look at the early church in Acts 2, 44, listen to this verse and what it says. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. I mean, this is what's happening in the early church. Imagine you're living thousands of years ago and someone that you've been eating meals with, that you know what's going on in their life, they come and they say, hey, I may not be here next week because I owe a debt and I'm going to be put in prison until I can pay that debt. That was the reality of the Roman empires. You would be in the Roman empire. Yeah, you would be imprisoned if you couldn't pay off certain amounts of money that you owed and you'd basically be in a concentration camp or a work labor camp until you could pay it back. But then people at your table, because they know you, they would say, hey, that's not going to happen because I have an extra sheep or I have an extra goat or we have a little bit of land and we've not been doing anything with that land or I've been saving up for something. I didn't even know what I was going to use it for, but I have something extra. Hey, I'm not going to let that happen to you. So I'm going to sell whatever I have. You just tell me what you need and we're in this thing together. So we're going to come around you and support you and encourage you. We're going to help you out because I know you do that same thing for me. That's the picture of the early church. And can I be honest? That doesn't happen because you stood next to someone or sat next to someone for an hour on a Sunday morning. It just doesn't. Like that happens when we've shared a meal together. It happens when we've laughed together. It's happened when over weeks and and years and months and all of that time, like I know what's going on in your life and you've cried with me when I've been through difficult times and I've cried with you and I've laughed and celebrated when your kids got married or when you got a promotion or when you inherited something like we've been in this thing together. That's what church should look like. We are meant to be in relationship with each other. The last thing is this in church, like discipleship and spiritual growth. It not only happens in rows, it happens in circles. Okay. You guys, my prayer is when I stand up here on a Sunday morning that I preach something that inspires you and challenges you. And many of you will come after a Sunday and say, man, I felt like that was right for me. God spoke to me. But I'm telling you, you're only getting half the message. Like there is so much more that I want to tell you many times that I have to skip over for time and that I have to rush through. The rest of the message comes when you're sitting in the middle of the week with someone else and you're like, hey, what did you think about that? Or what does that mean in your life when Jesus tells us to love our enemy? Or, hey, how are you serving the poor? How are you serving? When we start to talk about that, it's not just sitting here on a Sunday morning and hearing the scripture. It's when you begin to figure out what does that look like in your life? And, hey, can I help you be accountable for that? And, hey, can you challenge me to live that out the way that I'm loving my wife or my family? Like, my life is open and you can encourage me in that. That's where we get the rest of the message. It's not just on a Sunday morning. It's when we're living life with each other. Discipleship happens in circles, not just in rows on Sunday mornings. So let's do one more discussion, and this will be the last one we do, is the early church would gather, and they would talk about, hey, what do the teachings of Jesus mean? And so in Matthew 13, there are a bunch of stories that Jesus tells, and they're called parables, but that simply meant like a story with the truth or the story with the point. So there are two here, um, and I just want you to read them. Someone at your table can read out loud, whoever feels confident, okay? Whoever did that a lot in school, you can do that. And then everyone can talk about what do you think these two stories mean? Once again, no theology police. You don't even have to have ever read the Bible, 
but you can talk about this. Jesus said, this is what God's kingdom is like. This is what God's world is like. And he gives two stories. And then you can talk about, hey, here's what I think Jesus might have meant by that, or here's what I think about that story. Go ahead and take a few minutes to discuss that around your tables. Okay, you guys, I'm going to have you pause your conversation um, again at your table. I love that you're still talking because that means hopefully good discussion is happening. Um, you guys, we grow as we talk about the scriptures together um, and as we talk about what that means for our lives. We say this a lot here at NCC is that we live life together. It's what we believe. And my biggest prayer for you as being a part of this church and being connected here is that it would be hard for you to not get to know other people. Like, I don't want anyone being able to come into this church week after week and no one knows your name or what's going on in your life or what's happening. This is the kind of church that we are. We want to be in relationship with each other. I mean, I'll just tell you this. I know moments like this are a little difficult. Some of us are more introverted than extroverted. We don't necessarily like to talk to people. We've done things similar to this before um, in the past, not really to this scale, but something like this. And people have come up to me afterwards and said, you can't make me talk to other people in church. And I'm like, that's just the kind of church that we are. I know it's hard, but this is the church that Jesus was dreaming of. People that have actually left NCC because we've encouraged them to be in relationship with someone else and not to try to do this on their own. It's, this, it's just the kind of church that we are. Because we're trying to be the church that Jesus dreamed of. We're not trying to be the easy church or the comfortable church. We're trying to be the church that Jesus wants us to be. And that means for some of us stretching a little bit, for some of us getting a little uncomfortable, because we need other people in our lives. And that's my prayer, is that you would get to know other people. So here is your action step. Over the next two weeks, maybe you can't do it this week, maybe you can is I want you to find a few other people, maybe one or two other people in the church, and invite them to coffee or to have dinner together. Your immediate thought is, I'm going to be too busy. There's no way I can do that. I understand that. Let me ask this question. How many of you guys ate either breakfast, lunch, or dinner one time this past week? Just raise your hand if you had breakfast, lunch, or dinner one time this week. Not all three meals. You just had one of those meals one time. Okay, I'm going to guess the majority of us did. No one fasted all seven days this week. Which means you're going to have to eat a meal. Why not not do it alone? Invite someone to your house. Invite someone out to a restaurant. Invite someone to coffee. Right? You're going to have to eat at some point. Don't do it alone. Find someone else. Because we desperately want to be a church that we live life together. And we're in relationship with each other. And that there is someone else when you're struggling or you have doubts or it's a difficult time that someone else says, I'm there for you. Or when you're going through something that someone says, you're not going to go through that alone. I've got your back. I'm going to make sure you make it through that. Like, I'll do whatever it takes, whatever I can bring to the table. It's yours because I don't want you going through this alone. That's the kind of church that we want to be. That's who Christ has called us to be. And so I want to pray for us. If you would take a moment and just bow your head and close your eyes. And you may be here, and what I'm saying may sound strange because you're thinking, 
this is not my idea of church. And that's not maybe your idea of God. But we see over and over again a God who wants to connect us into relationship with him and who wants to connect us into relationship with each other. That's the heart of God. He wants us to bring us back to him and bring us back into connection with other people. And so you may be here and disconnected from Christ or disconnected from the church. And this morning, I just want to invite you to come back to connect with God again. And you don't have to have everything perfect or have done everything right. But it's just simply acknowledging, God, I need you in my life. And so I'm going to lead us in this prayer that just says that, God, I've messed up at some points in my life, and I can't fix myself on my own. God, I need your help. And so I'm going to invite all of us to pray this prayer. I said it in the middle of the message. Say this out loud because we don't want anyone praying alone. Even if you're at home by yourself, I want you to say this out loud. Let's pray this together. Jesus, I come to you, and I need you in my life. I admit that I've sinned. I can't fix myself. So I'm asking for your help. Be the Savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Give me a brand new start. I pray this in your name. Amen. Now, church, can you put your hands together and celebrate? If you prayed that prayer, if you've been disconnected from Christ or from the church, but you prayed that prayer, the Bible says all of heaven's rejoicing, and we're rejoicing with you, and I just want to let you know your next step, just what I've talked about. We don't want you doing this alone. So if you'll take a moment, go to newcommunity.co slash connect track. Um, We want to help you learn about what it means to walk out your faith, and three Sundays of the month, we meet in a classroom right here on a Sunday morning. We have breakfast. So if you've enjoyed the meal this morning, come back next week because we'll have another one in the Connect Track. You can sign up, and we start just by talking about who is Jesus and what does it mean to have a relationship with him and what does it mean when churches say that God saves us or that we're saved, like what does that mean? And so we get just very practical, but then we start talking about how do you connect in the church, how do you grow spiritually, how do you use your gifts, and what has God put inside of you to minister to others. And so I want to encourage you, to sign up. This is a great first step. We don't want you walking out your faith alone. Church, I want to encourage you that this week we would be the church that God has called us to. We would look at how we connect in relationships to be the church that Jesus is dreaming of. So let's be that. Be blessed. Have a great week.